And Jesus said to her, Go. Notice what he says here. He says, Go and call your husband and come here first. And this is where things get really interesting because Jesus now shifts her attention from her physical need again to her spiritual need. See, her life was filled with many, with much sin. There was a lot of sin in her life. We know that because she, um, she was married to five men. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Jesus brought up this embarrassing issue regarding this woman's relationships because her sinful life had to be confronted. This woman had to decide what she loved more, her sin or the Messiah. When Jesus said that the man she lived with was not her husband, he showed her that living together and marriage are not the same thing. Jesus also showed that just because someone calls a relationship marriage, it doesn't mean that Jesus considers it marriage. The same holds true for today. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. ...of tabernacles. It says that Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This Feast of Tabernacles, as you recall, is a seven-day feast for the Jews. It commemorated God's faithfulness in getting the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the desert for 40 years, and then into the Promised Land. That journey of 40 years, and how God provided for them for their sustenance and their covering. They celebrate that on the, the day of, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And notice that it says the last great day of the feast. So this is the seventh day of the feast. Now before we go any further, you have to understand a ritual that the Jews would do during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. A priest would take a golden pitcher and he would go from the Temple Mount down to the Gahon Spring, which is down in Zion, uh, just south of the Temple Mount, and what they would do is they would take that golden pitcher from the, from the temple and they would go down and they would go to the Gahon Spring and they'd fill it with water and walk back up to the, to, the, to the temple mount. And then they would pour that water over the altar in commemoration and thanksgiving for God giving them the water through the wilderness. In a desert, water every day for a couple million people. That's a pretty significant task, wouldn't you say? Is God up to it? Is he able? I don't know. Is he, is he able? Yes. yes, he is. The one who spoke the water out of the rock, you know, to come forth from the rock, is the same one in, the, in Genesis 1.1 when he said, let, the, you know, let there be light. 
Let there be all things that he created on those six days of creation. He spoke them all into existence. So they would take that water, they would pour it out, and they would sing a song. And the song that they would sing would be out of Isaiah 12, verse 2, where it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Here it is. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. From the wells of salvation. You will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's what they would sing. And you remember that Jesus' name literally means God's salvation, right? So Jesus is this well. He is the well of salvation. It all is in him. And it's no accident now that he's standing at this well with his woman in Samaria. He's seated there actually on the side of it. Needing sustenance, the Son of God, God Almighty, thirsty. You remember in the book of Exodus that they got out into the desert and they were complaining because they thought that Moses had brought them out into the desert to die. And they were complaining because they didn't have any water. And in Exodus 17, verse 5, it says, and, 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 the, and Moses cried out to the Lord, and so the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. And here is the miracle that God did. He gave them water. It was necessary for them. Without it, they would have perished in the wilderness. And Jesus now is saying to the same woman, I want to give you something that's not physical. The water in the well is fine, but I want, I want to give you something more, more than this. And we'll see that the woman wasn't quite on board with Jesus at, at, the, at the very beginning, but then she finally caught on that he was speaking of something spiritual rather than physical. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, he says, and he says, and all drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's what, it, that's what he was in the desert for them. He was their provision. He was their rock. He was their sustenance. He was that living water that was feeding them physically, and that was even temporary. But now he's giving the living water that is going to be everlasting. Can you see the difference between the physical, the temporary, versus the eternal? The eternal. So verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, and then we're back in our text now, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? So she's not quite getting it, is she yet? And, and who, who can blame her? She's never encountered God in the flesh. <laughs> I mean, how many people have encountered him physically? So she's naturally very puzzled. In 1697, this well of Jacob's well was measured, and it was about 105 feet deep in 1697, about seven and a half feet thick or in diameter, and it was made of solid stone. So Jacob and his his workers had to chip away stone down at least 105 feet, probably even more. And so Jesus, 
And this woman are sitting there. And she says in verse 12, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons? And the answer is, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) He is greater. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And you know, everything in the world has temporal satisfaction, doesn't it? It does. It has the, every, you know, the, the glittery things. You know, we're all attracted to temporal things. But after a while, it fades, doesn't it? Have you bought that new house, that new car, whatever it is, the material possession that you've saved up money for, only to find that it need, it's going to corrode, it's going to break down, it's going to need maintenance? And then after a while, the joy of it just kind of fades you could, have a, you could have a house overlooking a bluff on, on Lake Avenue, overlooking Lake Ontario, and it could be all windows and a grand piano in the middle. There's a, the reason I say that is because I know of a house. I, I drive by and I see it, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. But anyway, but you could have something like that, you know. You could have something like that, but after a while, you're just like, eh, what's next? Right? That's the way we are. And Jesus is saying, you keep coming to this well, or you're going to thirst again. The desire that you have, the, the longing that you have in your heart, it was, it was never meant to be satisfied by worldly things. And, and not that they're bad. I mean, we, we enjoy cars, we enjoy a home, we enjoy nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. But we know in our heart of hearts that there's something more. And in fact, when I came to Christ, I knew there had to be much more. Because there comes a point in your life when you've kind of done most things. You've kind of been through, you've gone through around the block a few times. You're like, is this, is this, is this all there is? I mean, I just work really hard, and then I have some momentary times of pleasure and enjoyment. And then I get sick. Then the doctor tells me, and i got three months to live. <laughs> is that life? But everlasting life is just the opposite. What did Jesus say? He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And boy, that's a stinging verse, isn't it? Where is my expectation? Where is my treasure? Is it on the things of the earth? Or is it in glory where moth and truly rust does not corrode? See, nobody can take that away from you, folks. Nobody can take that away from you. It is more sure than us sitting right here, right now. It is more real than anything we are experiencing right now. That is a fact. Because Jesus said so. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe what he said? Do you believe what he did? Do you believe what he accomplished on the cross? I pray that you do because you can bank everything on him. Please bank everything on him. Don't let anybody take anything away from you. There is nothing on this earth that I would not give up to be with him. You can take it all away. Take it all away, as long as I got you, God. And you know, he may challenge me one day with that. Because, you know, I can talk a big game. 
And we all can, can't we? We can, we can, we, we can all have a big mouth and then he starts taking stuff away and then we're like, <laughs> Lord, just don't take the Jeep. <laughs> you know? And we, we get like that. We get like that. And he's like, oh, Rob, I got a gold Jeep for you. I mean, he really doesn't. Because uh, I'm sure I'm not going to need it. But notice in verse 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never, ever thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice that something that happens within, not something that happens from the outside. See, religion is all about changing the outside. Well, if I do this, if I do that, then maybe I can be right with God. If I help the old lady across the street, she'll give me a dollar, and, I, you know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tithe that dollar, and I've done my good deed for the day. No, you could do that all your life. You could do all the good deeds and miss the one thing, Jesus Christ. It's him. When he indwells you, then, and only then, are you a Christian. And that's what the Bible says. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you are none of His. That's what Peter said. And so I need Him. And even most of you, perhaps all of you, many of you are believers. I would encourage you, even though you have Him in your heart, desire Him even more. And draw upon Him even more. Because if you're like me, I can get kind of lax in my relationship. And it's true in any relationship, if you're not working at it, you are digressing. There's no middle road. There's no neutral. You can't just put it in neutral. You'll always go back. Especially if you live in San Francisco. Because there's a lot of hills there. right? You cannot go in neutral. You always have to be going forward. And so Jesus here in verse 14 is clearly showing the difference between the physical and the spiritual. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's still thinking in the physical, isn't she? She's thinking about, I don't want to have to come here every day to this well to get water. Nicodemus was like that too, remember in chapter 3? When Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he goes, how can I do that? Can I crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again? And he said, no, you need to be born from above. I was born with an old nature, and that old nature is an enmity against God. I need a new nature, and that is the very Spirit of God who indwells us, changing us from the inside out. Do you want to be changed? Even as a Christian, even though you've been with him for 20, 30 years, do you still want to be changed, or are you on autopilot? Are you in neutral? Put the gear forward. Put it in first gear. And then put it in second. And then third. Always stay forward. And Jesus said to her, go. Notice what he says here. He says, go and call your husband and come here first. And this is where things get really interesting. Because Jesus now shifts her attention from her physical need again to her spiritual need. See, her life was filled with with much sin. There was a lot of sin in her life. We know that because... She, um, she was married to five men. I mean, what happened? Was she, was she unfaithful? Was, you know, what, what happened? Or was he unfaithful? We don't really know the details. And the guy that she's currently with is not her husband either. So now she's living in sin. And Jesus, showing his omniscience, he shares that with her. 
And notice what she says. The woman answered and says, I have no husband. And he said, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you're now with, the guy with the long black hair, he's not your husband either. In that you spoke truly. There is a principle here that is very important for us not to miss. When we are sharing with people the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we don't leave out the part where they have sinned and in need of a Savior. We can't leave out the sin issue. We can't live out the fact that we are sinners bound for hell. We can't leave that out. Don't leave eternal judgment out of the conversation. The devil doesn't want you to talk about it, and certainly your own flesh doesn't want to talk about it because it is not easy to tell somebody that they're a sinner, even though you can look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, mm, sinner. Right? We must tell the truth. People will not think they need God if they believe that they are okay. And somehow, you know, they think somehow God will allow them to go to heaven based on some good deeds that they've done in their life. But the teeth of the gospel is the sin issue and the penalty of that sin, which is eternal judgment. So do not remove the teeth of the gospel. There's a gospel that's going out today that says, God loves you. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you that nice car. And yes, I'm changing my voice here on purpose. He wants to give you that nice car. He wants to give you that house in North Carolina. In the hills, Asheville. He wants to give it to you, and he wants to give you much more. That, that big old fancy car, he wants to give that to you. And money, 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 money. <laughs> Have you heard that? <laughs> really? Is that what God wants to give me? And that's all they talk about. And then people come to the Lord. Oh, I want to be rich. I want to be happy and healthy and everything. And, and God wants you to be blessed. But he wants you to be holy. There's a big difference. He wants you holy. The gospel is good news because of the bad news. Right? We have to tell people the bad news before we share with them the good news. And that is what Jesus is doing here with this Samaritan woman. She has to come to terms with her sin. That's why Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you bring your husband here? And he's drawing her out, isn't he? It's like he's throwing the worm out there on the hook and he's reeling her in. Oh, got her. Okay. All right. And she's still not quite getting it. You knew that? You knew that I had five husbands and the guy I'm living with now is, you knew that? He's like, yeah, I know. And you notice Jesus didn't say, you are such a pathetic thing. How can any, No wonder you're out here by yourself. Nobody wants to be around you. In fact, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, did Jesus say that? Or was he loving her and had compassion on her? See, that is the nature of God. And that's the kind of nature that I want. No matter how ugly something looks, can you still be loving and gracious and compassionate? Can you? Will you? Allow the Spirit of God? But she has to come to terms with her sin. That's very important. We have to have the bad news first before we're given the good news. Because the good news wouldn't be good news unless we knew about the bad news. The bad news puts the good news in perspective, doesn't it? 
And now the good news looks really good. It looks really good. When I was told the bad news, I remember the day when I was told, a friend of mine, I was sat in his Cadillac, and he told me, he said, Rob, your life, he goes, you're bound for hell. And I said, thank you. And he said, no, he says, listen to me. He goes, there are things that I know are going on in your life, and let's look at them. And he opened the Bible, and he shared them with me. And he, and he, 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 go, he went to a couple places, and he says, read this. And I started reading it. And he goes, now read this. And then I started reading it, and I'm, I'm undergoing the greatest conviction I've ever experienced in my life. I had to be, God had to put a thumb on my sin, and it made me, I was convicted deeply. And what did I do as a result of that? I cried out to God for forgiveness, and he forgave me. But that is part of the gospel that we can't leave out. We can do it lovingly and compassionate. I mean, you don't have to be nasty about it. But Jesus here is telling her, go grab your husband and come back. And he knew exactly what was going to happen. Levi gave him a great feast, Jesus, in his own house. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and their Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I qualify. I qualified, and so did you. Right, And that's the teeth. That's part of the teeth of the gospel. Don't ever remove the teeth. Don't give somebody a false gospel. Tell them the truth. And I think this is a good example of that because he doesn't just say, hey, come to Christ and everything will be fine. No, he, he, he addresses this issue in her life because this is a stumbling block. This is obvious. This is the elephant in the room for her. And Jesus is putting his finger on it. Why? Is it because he's mean? No, because he wants to draw her out. She has to understand that she has a nature that is at enmity, at hatred against God. Even though she may say, oh, I love God, but then everything that I do doesn't match up. That's most people, right? Do you know that? Most people say, I want to go to heaven. Oh, I'm going to heaven. I love God, but I still like to do these other things, and I don't want anybody to know about it. It doesn't work that way. The gospel is supposed to be an affront to the natural man. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. At least, it doesn't receive them as far as receiving them in the natural, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And when it's your time, and you know that there was a time when God spoke to you, and it was the time for you because I had been approached many times, but there was one moment in that Cadillac as I sat, and my friend read the scriptures to me and zapped me right between the eyes with the scripture. It was the teeth of the gospel that broke me. The part that nobody likes to talk about, but we can't not share that. So verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Notice how she's changing the subject. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.